Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, everyone. Hallelujah. Let's take, let's pray this morning first thing. I know we already have, but let's pray for our service and everyone else in Sunday school and everything that I go on today. That God will have his way in each and everything that takes place. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today. We love and we praise you. Father, we're telling you right now from the very beginning, we need your help, God. We need your anointing. So we ask you right now that you would touch us, Lord God. Everything that's done and said, God, we need your strength. We need your guidance and direction, Lord God, because I know, Lord Jesus, you can direct our thoughts, Lord God, our intentions, Lord God. Touch us this day and on our minds, our hearts, Lord God. For, Father, I know that we've gathered with a purpose, Lord God. I know that you can touch us, God. You can strengthen us and anoint us, Lord God. I pray, have your way this day. We love and we thank you for what you're going to do this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. We miss brother and sister Boyd while they're away. Um, while they're sick, they're not away, but they're they're homesick. So we will just continue to pray for them and ask God to touch them, and uh, we will um, carry on. So I was um, sort of wondering uh, a couple weeks ago what to, what to speak on. I never just want to speak just to be speaking. You know, I, I really want to um, speak on something that I would feel the Lord would have me to speak on. So uh, me and um, Sister Rayleigh was... Um, uh, viewing something, and I just come across a, a, a phrase, and I really don't even know what it was pertaining to. But as soon as I seen it, I said, that's what I want to use for a title. And the phrase was this. It was uh, a regeneration of innocence. And I, as soon as I seen it, I said, that's what I want to use for a title. And um, Because really and truly... Everything that happened from the beginning of man up to now that has been God's sole purpose is to take man literally back to the original plan of God walking with man literally in the cool of the day and having fellowship. Not with the struggles that we have of fighting this flesh and in, 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 in the enemy warring against the spirit of just trying to have fellowship with the Lord. And I thought, boy, you just... What would it be like, literally, just to start over? And I thought, with the Lord, this is the closest that you can ever come. Because everybody has regrets. Everybody wish, I just wish I would have done this different. Or years ago, I wish I hadn't done this. And I know with the media we have now down the road, there's going to be a lot of people wish they hadn't done what they done, but um, or what they did. But... uh but anyway, it's just like that we, uh, especially with the ministries we have now, we see men and women that it just says, I just, I just regret it. And some of it, you know, some people, and it's just humanity. Some regrets just literally being caught, but I think some literally, truly regrets what happened. And, and, and I can appreciate that because we all, we all, like I say, we all have situations that we wish literally did not happen. So that's, um, a regret. We all have them. And, but the Bible talks about, uh, that we have this weight that we carry called sin. And literally we have it. The Bible refers to it as a weight. And to remove that, to have that removed, um, truly is a blessing. 
And in the Bible where the Lord takes his disciples to the coast and he asked him, he says, who do the son of men say that I am? And then when Peter gives him this declaration, he says, that's what I'm going to build my church on. And then he says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So the promise that we have is that the church is not going to fail. I can take, God didn't promise his church on Kenneth. He promised that on this rock of revelation is what I'm going to build my church on. So I can take and attach myself to the church. So when something attacks me outside of this church, if I won't let go of the church, then I have a promise in scripture, then I'm not going to fail. Because a lot of people gets mad at the people when they say the church is just made up of people. I say, well, just look at it ever how you want. God gave a promise. He'll never break a promise. And he said the gates of hell, gates plural, let hell belch out everything it has. It will not prevail, overcome what the church has. So you can point fingers. People is just people. And they always are going to be just people. So the church is made up of people. But collectively, when we bind together as a church, the enemy cannot defeat us. And because I have a crossed up with Jerry, and that is, and just say, you know what? And I base the church on what I have a feeling against Jerry. Who am I shortchanging? I'm shortchanging me. I'm shortchanging me. I'm the one that's being left out. God is the one that said, the enemy, it will not overcome the church. And just so therefore, that's what I want to attach myself to. Because God said, hell will not overcome the church. So regardless of, of what comes against me and what and ever how I am attacked, there is a promise. Hell's not going to overcome it. So I can take and I can do this because it is literally our refuge that where we can come to, no matter what's going on in our life, no matter what's happening, we do have a refuge. We do have a promise. We do have a promise that there is nothing that's going to overcome it, that that is going to gain more momentum than the church will. It's, it's just uh, what we have. Now, literally, the church is, I would say, a place someone can literally start over. Because you can take no matter what has happened, no matter what has happened in your life, you can come in here and it's just like ministers has preached for years. You come here and you pray, you repent, and the Bible even says, behold, all things is made new. In other words, you literally, you literally can start over a regeneration of innocence. You can just ask God to forgive you. Your sins can be forgiven and you just literally start over. And it's the way we know it. God can forgive us and forgive us of our sins. And we take and we do that because the Bible says that we come in. We have this place. We have this church. So you come in and the analogy has been used for countless years. But it's just like, what would it be for um, a hospital to stand out there and, and tell people you're bloody? You cannot come in here. And it'd be the same analogy for us to stand out on the porch and say, you know what, sinner, we don't want you in here. Because if that's the case, I'd still be at the porch. I wouldn't even be allowed in. Because the church is made up of people that are sinners, that has been forgiven, and we are only in here by the grace of God. So when we come in here and God touches us, because it is this, the Bible says... Or, or the Lord said this, you preach to the poor, the brokenhearted, the ones held captive by sin, the ones blinded by sin, the one who was wounded long ago, but they still have a bruise that won't go away. And then you preach that now, now is a time for them to get deliverance. Now is a time for this. And what we must not do is make a category out of this. Don't look at this when it says you preach to the poor as they don't have no money. Everybody. This verse is to humanity. It is not a class of people that he's talking about. The poor in spirit, the brokenhearted, those that are wounded, those that have been wounded years ago, but the bruise just will not go away. Those that carry a hurt, 
year from years ago and it just won't go away. God said, you bring them to my house. You come in my house and you get serious with me. And I will give you something to remedy that bruise that won't go away. But we put classes on people. We just say, you know what, they're a bum, they need help. But the guy with a $5,000 suit on, you know, maybe he's a little bit better. No, sir, don't do that. Don't put them in classes like this. It was given for humanity. And so when they come in, we can do this. We can come in and we can treat everyone as an equal, which we should. So they can come in and God said, you do this. This is what you do. We are literally reaching for the lost and that's us and everyone else. And we have this literally by the grace of God. I want you to turn with me. What I want to speak on is Luke. I want to turn to um, Luke seven thirty six, And I want to talk about um, the lady. There's a woman here. The Bible doesn't name her. So I won't attempt to name her either. But this lady here. And you'll see why I come up with this title. I know a lot um, has been said um, from this perspective of this woman and these other um, anointings that takes place. But I just ask you to stay with me and just hear, hear it from my point of view, if you will. John seven 36, I'll start there. One of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus was set at meat in the Pharisee's house, bought an alabaster uh, box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him, weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. And 39 says, And when the Pharisee which had bid him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman that is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Now, I don't know who this woman was. The Bible, does, the Bible doesn't really name her. Now, I've read um, as much as I could as pertaining to this um and what I found that the commentators was not kind to this lady. And I'm only going to say this one time. I don't, I do not know if this lady was a prostitute. All that I do know is that's the general rule of everybody's thinking of the commentators I've read behind. If she was or if she was not, I do not know. But all I know is the Bible says she was a sinner. And what I know in the Bible, if when the Bible calls a woman a sinner, it is not Choosing words. I mean, this lady must have been pretty rough. So the Bible calls her a sinner. Now, and the Bible says she was guilty of many sins. So she just she just didn't steal some bubble gum and that was the end of it. She was guilty of many sins. So that's been established. She was evidently had a what we would call a bad reputation. You could even say maybe she was an outcast of society. I don't really know. But what the Bible says, it paints a picture of her that here is a lady that is basically an outcast. If anybody needs God, she needs God. But look what she does. She takes this. She takes her alabaster box of ointment and she makes her way to Simon's house, who is a Pharisee. Now, I don't know what she told her friends or whoever the people that she hung with. What she was doing when she left. I don't know what she must have went through. But I don't know how much to ridicule. Because what the alabaster box must have represented when she picked it up. Because normally that was reserved for the wedding. For a lady getting married. And that was reserved for the wedding night. So when whoever seen her take this and said, what are you doing with that? And she said, well, I heard Jesus was going to be eating at Simon's house, so I want to take this with me. And they said, but why are you taking that? And and I don't know. I don't know the answer she could have given them. I, I can only just speculate. I don't know. But she just said, I don't know. I just, what drew this lady to that house is, for one thing, I do know Scripture. The Scripture does say, no man comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. 
And but probably at this point, all this lady could tell them is just, I don't know. I don't know. All I feel is something within me is pulling me. And she would say, I just feel an urge to go to Jesus. Evidently, she has had a contact with Jesus before. She knew of him. So she hears that Jesus is at Simon's house. She takes his alabaster box, but they still say, why are you taking the box? And then they get it. Well, you, with your reputation, you'll never need it anyway. And just pardon this phrase, but no man will never touch you. And that's, just pardon me for being crude there. But they're telling her, you might as well take the box with you anyway, because you'll never need it. So she takes her box. And she says, I don't know. I'm going to take my box and I'm going to Simon's house. All I know is what I feel. And this I'm doing. The Bible says, truly, she takes it. She goes. But I believe literally, and you'll see and you'll see in a few minutes when I'm done. But I believe this literally was divinely, divinely orchestrated, appointed, ever what phrase you want to put on it, by God. To do this. So he takes. She does this. And then this anointing. I mean there's other anointings that happen in scripture. Where they anointed Jesus' head. They anointed Jesus' feet. But this one is unique. This one happened a lot earlier. The others is more or less an anointing for his burial. And But this one is. is I've even read it could have been even up to a year earlier than them. Them. The, the mother's, the head and the other feet is more or less like days before his death. The Bible even calls it an anointing uh, for his burial. But this one here, and when I'm done, you, you'll see. But I believe that I have a theory on why this one was done. And now, and as we go along, you'll see what I'm speaking of. But I believe that this anointing by the woman, I believe it had to be a woman. And I'll tell you that also. I believe it had to be a woman to do this. So they take and just as the Bible does in so many, so many ways. That's one thing I love about the Bible. That's what I said. Here, Simon, he's a Pharisee. Here is she with her reputation. What is the chances of her getting in Simon's house? None. I mean, the, you talking about some self-righteous boys. <laughs> that was a Pharisee's. He wouldn't even let this lady in his yard. Not even much less in his house. And somehow, just God can work it out. Here's this lady that don't stand a chance. And she is going up there. And just, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know. I don't know how it happened. All I can do is just wonder. The Bible really don't say. It's just, I don't know if you just... You just see like a mad rush and people starts going in and she just goes in with a crowd. I don't know. All that I do know is just when, and I take this as, as others from uh, scripture, is just when we need to get to God, don't let the situation you're looking at determine if you can do it or not. Because so many times our eyes tell us you can't do it. And here is this lady with her reputation and she would have said, you know what? I'll never get in there. Jesus is in the house, but look at me. I'll never be able to get in. They'll never let me in. But she didn't let that stop her. She just kept going. She just kept going. And in a few minutes, she's in the house. And I believe we can take from that. It's just no matter what, no matter what's in front of us, no matter what we're facing, we can, God can always make himself available unto us. If we won't stop, if we don't quit, you know, he will. So she takes, she goes in there. And it's just like um, Brother Chris, when he mentioned David. You know, David said, one thing I have I desired of the Lord, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, you know. And that's, what, that's one thing I'm going to do. In uh, other words, my actions is going to match what I'm saying and that's like this lady. She said, I, I want to go. I got this urge that I have got to go be with the Lord as of yet. I don't really know why, but I feel like I have got to go to Simon's house.
do I think I can get in there? No, but all I know is I've got to go. So she goes, somehow she manages to get in, and then she actually gets in the house, which is remarkable, I think. And then Simon takes in verse 39, and he says, Now, if he says, which the Pharisees, speaking of Simon, if he were a prophet, then he would have known who and what manner of woman that is that toucheth him. Now, Simon says, you know, if you really are a prophet, you would have known that just letting this lady touch you would make you unclean. This is the Pharisee talking. And, but here to Simon is with her coming in and there at meal, she just intrudes, comes in the house, and she just breaks all the boundaries that's acceptable at that time. No woman, especially of her caliber, is to come in and interrupt anything in a Pharisee's house. So she just went across every rule that she was supposed to right then. And then what made it even worse is here is Jesus hadn't said nothing to her. She comes in. She comes up behind him, the Bible says. And then what really gets to Simon is the Lord don't say nothing to her. And he's just like, he's no prophet. This lady is touching him. And he's not rebuking her. What's wrong with him? See, therefore, Simon is self, so self-righteous, he not only condemns the lady, now he's condemning God. Do you see where he's going? See where his self-righteous has got him? He's condemning her and now he's condemning God. He says he's not even a prophet. When it was God manifested in the flesh, he says he's not even doing it. And then he goes on and he says, you know, for she is a sinner. Now, verse 40. I'm going to read 40 through 43. Um, and, and still in the same chapter 7. And Jesus said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And now he shows his true colors. For he said, what? Master. Now, 39, he's thinking in his head. He's thinking to himself. But he didn't know Jesus had just read his thoughts. But this is where he reveals his true self when he calls him master. And then he said... In 41, Jesus says, there was a certain creditor which had two debits, and the one owed 500 pence, the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? And Simon answered and said to him, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged now. Simon called him master. Okay. He just basically said, I'm a hypocrite. He called him master. Okay. Now, I don't know if Simon really caught on what the Lord was doing. But he just give him this little scenario going on. He said, okay, we have this creditor. In other words, the lender being God. The one that owed 500 being the lady. The one that owed 50 We'll take that as you. Okay, which one do you think would be the most grateful? And he said the one that owed 500. To me, that is strictly on an emotional level. It is just like, let's look at that in our time. If you owed $500 and, an, and another man owed 50, naturally we're grateful. We the, the fact is, you still owe money. But this is sins. I don't think what Simon never sunk into his head is that you had a debt you literally could not pay. We all have a debt that we cannot atone for. We can't atone for one of our sins. None of our sins. And, it, and then what he asked Simon is who would love the most, I think is from an emotional level. Naturally. Because he forgave her of the 500 pence. She is going to be grateful for that. But I don't think Simon never got it. He just went straight 50 to 500. Okay, 
He forgave her of 500, so therefore she ought to be grateful. Yes, that's correct. But the Bible says he frankly forgave them both. They both could not pay. That's what Mr. Self-Righteous never got. He, he had a debt he couldn't pay. And that's like all of us. There's no way that we can atone for nothing, not one sin. But through the blood of Jesus Christ, that's why we take him when we come. We can. That's why the Bible says that the atonement's been made. All we got to do is come and ask for it. So they take and they do this. And then when she takes, it's just the unmerited, the just the grace of God the, through the act of forgiveness that we're allowed to do this. But neither one, neither one could pay, regardless of the amount. The amount is what catches us. But what ought to catch us is neither one could pay. Whether it would be one dollar or one million, that's beside the point. We couldn't pay, no matter what the amount. That's what should capture us. We cannot pay. We have a debt, literally, that we cannot pay. Sin is strapped to us, and within ourselves, we can't get rid of it. Pure and simple, we cannot get rid of it. So, I'm going to read now. Forty, uh, excuse me, forty-four. Let's um, let's read just a little bit more. Now he turns to the woman and said unto Simon, Now make make no mistake about it. In my viewpoint. 44 is a rebuke to Simon. 44, he turns to Simon and said, Seest thou this woman? That was the problem. Simon never seen her. How dare you come in my house? You got no business in my house. You are this caliber of woman. You got no business. God seen the humanity Simon seen the caliber of the woman. That's the difference. But God said, seest thou the woman? And then I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. She has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore, I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she hath loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. Now, truly the answer to Simon is, the answer is no. I don't see the woman. I just see somebody taking up space in my house. That's all I see. I do not see a woman in my house. All I see is somebody vile that's that's basically caused my house to be unclean. So get her out of my house. She shouldn't be in my house. And if you think I'm exaggerating, I'm not. Literally, this is a Pharisee. She shouldn't be in my house. Literally, get her out of my house. She shouldn't be in my house. She should not be in my house. But God is showing her kindness if anybody needed kindness showed unto them, it was her. I really don't know what she endured or what she went through or what all she endured up to her life up to this point. But all I know, if anybody needed forgiveness, this lady needed it. This lady needed it. Now, what I want to do, I want to look at the spiritual. I've, I've, this is the natural I've been talking about. I want to look at the spiritual side of this. Now, in 38, the Bible says that she stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now, all that I know is I believe that when she came in, whatever she felt drawing her to the Lord... All the years that she had built up in her was just slowly starting to be released. And just how many tears would it take, as the Bible says, to wash somebody's feet? To me, that is being just pure and simple broken. You just come in 
And all the anguish is just, is just released. You just come in because what I have read on it, where they would sit, they would sit with their feet out behind them, sit like on their side with their feet kicked out. So her feet would be the first thing that she would come to. So that's what the Bible says, that she would come up to the Lord and come up behind him, but his feet would be out. So when she came up to him with his feet there, that was just literally the first thing she come to. So with her tears, she literally began to wash his feet with her tears, the Bible says. She takes, then she lets down her hair to wipe his feet. But the one thing that custom did not permit is for a woman to let down her hair in public. At this time, they did not do it. it you just wasn't allowed. I mean, that's just their custom. And if a woman let down her hair in public, uh, literally, the husband could use that as a tool to divorce her. It was that strong. Literally, she couldn't do it. She couldn't let her hair down to no one, no man other than her husband, literally. So when she came in and literally began to weep and wail over his feet and then let her hair down and then dry his feet with her hair, all Simon seen was the vile side. He just perverted what was going on. Well, look at the caliber of who she is. And now she's letting down her hair. What is she fixing to do next? I think was in his mind. He didn't understand literally what was actually being, what was actually taking place, I think. So he just looked at it was from her. She's let her hair down. She's drying the Lord's feet with her hair. And then literally, she's taken fixing to anoint his feet. And the Bible literally says she has kissed his feet. So she is just literally overcome with emotion. So she comes in and she does this. So now Simon has already made up his mind that Jesus is no prophet. He would have never, ever forbid this to happen. No man of God would allow this to happen. So it just, it just, it just wouldn't have took place. So... The alabaster box that she carried, she comes in, she takes it. From what I've read of it, the the alabaster is a stone. It's it's hard enough stone, but it's also soft enough that you can carve it. It had no handles. It had a long neck with a flask. And basically, they would break the flask. And basically, in the Bible where it says they would break it, what they what's that basically I got of it, they would break the seal. And what's inside of it was kept pure. That's why it was kept in alabaster stone because the uh, the oil that was put in it or perfume that was put in it, it would keep pure. So she took this and when she took and she would break the seal or break the flask and then pour the oil on his feet and anoint his feet, as the Bible would say. She took and would anoint his feet. So she takes and she starts this process. Now... What I want you to do, I want you to turn with me, if you want to, if not, just read on the screen. I'm going back to Genesis, believe it or not. Um, I want to go to where it all started at. In Genesis 2, I want you to listen to the words now. Adam is Adam is created, Eve is not created yet. Genesis 2 and 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest... Thereof thou shalt surely die. Now, at this time, Eve is not created. God had commanded Adam, says, you see, you have everything, you have all of this, except this one tree. Do not partake of the fruit of this tree. For in the day you do, that's the day you're going to die. So now... Turn with me, just the next chapter over. This is Eve. 
1 through 4. Now the serpent was more subtle than any other beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, The Lord rebuked thee. It's what it should have read. But she takes up a dialogue with the enemy. We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Now, I want you to listen. But of the tree of the knowledge, this is the Adam, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou mayest, thou shalt not eat of it, for the day thou eatest, thou shalt surely die. This is Eve. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Did you catch what she done? She changed the doctrine. Preachers has preached for years. You can't do that. She changed the doctrine. If you want to know where it went wrong, this is where it went wrong. Number one, the Bible says, give no place to the devil. God never said you couldn't touch the tree. By her telling the enemy that God said you cannot touch it, she gave the enemy a foothold in by all she, all the enemy had to do was coast her up to the tree and just get her looking at, the Bible says she looked at it and said, the fruit, oh, that's pretty. Well, look at there, Eve. You're touching the tree and you're not dead. God has lied. For you yourself said you shall not touch it. But God never said don't touch it. But Eve is telling Satan, God has said, you shall not touch it. God just said, that the day that you eat of it. But she added. Neither you, you see what I'm saying? You can't change the doctrine. I mean, we fight this all the time. People saying, you're this, you're this, you're that. No, we're just the Bible. That's all we are. We're just the Bible. You can't change the doctrine. You have to remain true to the doctrine. And then when she took and done this, the enemy knew. I'm telling you, if Satan knows anything, he knows the doctrine. So he knew God has told her not to touch, uh, uh, not to not touch the tree. So he knew what was going on. So when she done this, he knew that he had a way in. Well, so when she took and did this and said this, I believe he just knew he had her. I really do. That's just my version. I just believe because God never said don't touch the tree. As simple as that is, I believe that he just had her up there for long. He had her touching the tree and therefore he had it. You cannot, you cannot. And, and not that I'm trying to bash Eve. My version of this is Eve was deceived. Adam did it out of pure rebellion because literally... When you read it in Scripture, the Bible says that, in fact, the Bible says that uh, to, to Adam, God said, you hearken unto the voice of your wife. In other words, you could have stopped this. You could have stopped this, but you didn't. So, therefore, I don't think God was too happy. But in, I want you to look, look, look with me when it comes to, um, this is what, um, if you want to turn in um, Isaiah, this is what... Um, this is how the Lord says, look unto me and be saved in Isaiah 45, 22. Look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. Therefore he is saying, I am God and there is none else. Look unto me and be saved. But what he said, I have swore by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness. In other words, I'm not just talking just to be talking, God said. I've not just 
up above that, it's just said, God said, I'm not just talking in some secret place. I'm not in just some dark place, just running my mouth. What I have said, I have said in righteousness. There's no other God. There's none besides me. And what I have said shall not return. And Hatch Ben talk is this. What I've said, I'm not taking back. What I've said, I've said in righteousness. I've said it, and it's for your benefit. And every tongue that unto me every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall swear. Everybody, in other words, everyone is going to agree with me for it's over. Now, look in another verse I want to read to you that, that um, I like is in Philippians 2 and 9. It says, Wherefore God hath highly exalted him, and give him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth. That pretty well gets everything. Now, we do this every time we come to church, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, get this, to the glory of God the Father. Now, how can that happen? To the glory of God the Father. Now, the Bible plainly tells us that God is a spirit. You cannot see a spirit in the Old Testament. He would come down in the form of theophany. Take a body. Come in human form. Now, if to the glory of God the Father, when we come in and accept Jesus as Lord, all God is saying to me is that when you come in and accept my body, then you accepting the spirit that's housing in that body. So that's giving glory to the spirit of God. And that's how we're doing it. So when Eve come and took, and she started this, speaking with the devil, she just took, she changed the doctrine, she just changed everything, and then literally, it just, as we would say, regrettably, it just went downhill from there. Now, when she took in verse 3, look at 3.15, it says, I would have put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, I really and truly do not believe God was pleased with Adam. Because when the Lord went to Adam and says, what have you done? These are my words. But it's like Adam, it's just, if you wonder where the blame game started, I mean, it started with Adam, literally. Because, literally, he takes, you know, number one, it's that woman. Number two, oh, you gave her to me. Me, I didn't have nothing to do with it. You know, I'm just, I'm just standing back. And that's when God told him, said, look, you hearken unto her voice. You should have been man enough to stand up and take authority and stop this. But you didn't. So God said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. There's going to be a war between the seed of the woman and, and the seed of the enemy from now on. It's not going to stop. This war, this hostility is going to continue on. And by the way, other words, th this seed of the woman is going to be born as we know Jesus Christ. Adam, you ain't going to have nothing to do with it. It's going to be a virgin birth. I'm going to come. But the point I want to make is this. In the Bible, when they would take that flask and break that seal, what got me is why I believe it had to be a woman doing this. Now, this is a prophecy given in 315 that it is going to bruise it says it's going to bruise the head, and, and, and the enemy is going to bruise the heel. Now, when they would come in, they would break that flask. If you take the word for break or broke and go back to Genesis and take, it is the word for bruise. It is the exact same word. So it is not just with them taking and doing an anointing. I believe that what this lady did was literally the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15. Because when she came in, and the Bible says that, that that's why I think this anointing was unique. Because they said it's, the, it's not the barrel, it's the yoke that the Bible talks about. The yoke of sin that was put on humanity. Because as of then, the sin that the Bible said the Lord ran man out of the garden... And the Lord takes here and says, there will be a war from now on. There is going to be sin attached to humanity. And therefore, he takes and says, I'm going to bruise your head. You're going to bruise my heel. In other words, the body of Jesus Christ is going to be crucified. 
So when she came in, and who better to do this than this woman? And I believe that is why God said, I am going to take Adam. Now, look at this ever how you want to. Adam, you say all this was a woman's fault. I'm going to take a woman. I'm going to be born of a woman. And I'm going to take a woman and I'm going to fix this. I'm going to take a woman. They are going to come in. They are going to anoint me and the yoke that's been on humanity for all these years. I'm going to come in. I'm going to anoint them. Because literally, when they broke the flask, and that word broke and that word bruise is the same identical word. So when they would come in and she come in and poured that anointing oil on what? His heels and anointed his feet. And she was just overcome with emotion. And Simon says, I don't know what she's doing. And God said in the other passages when they anointed him, some of his disciples were like, what are they doing? And God literally said, leave them alone. Let them alone. You don't even understand what they're doing. And Simon just says, you know, well, Lord, she shouldn't even be in my house. And, and, and God says, do you see the woman? And Simon's like, no, 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 I don't see the, She don't even need to be in my house. And it's like, Simon, you don't even understand what's going on. The yoke that has been around humanity for thousands of years is literally starting to be taken off of humanity. She is anointing the feet. That the Bible says it's going to be bruised. And you just sit there in your condescending way. And you don't even understand what's being happening. And you don't even get it. All you see is just some woman that shouldn't even be in your house. And he's just sitting there. And this lady that is just so broken and bruised by humanity. And God said, that, that is who I'm going to use. Just a peer outcast of society. I'm going to take her, and I'm going to use her. In everybody else's eyes, a nobody. And I'm going to take her, and I'm going to let her take her alabaster box. And I'm going to let her come in, and she's going to anoint my feet, and she's going to anoint my heels. Because in a few days, and in ever how long, the enemy's going to take, and he's going to crucify me. But he's going to do it with anointed heels. Because I will be anointed. This is going to be done. And I want to read another verse to you. If, if you don't have to turn to you, if you don't want. But the Bible says in Isaiah, And it shall come to pass in that day. And you talk about literally, people, we talk about the weight of sin. Literally, that's the Bible. Listen to this. And his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder. And the yoke from off his neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed. Because of the anointing. Now, all of this time, humanity has had this yoke placed on him. And here, this lady, I believe, that's why I say it had to be a woman that come in. In my eyes, it had to be a woman. And here's Simon. I believe that if Simon would have been at the door, I believe he would have stopped her. He would have stopped her. But this lady comes in. And in her eyes, she really don't know. And how much ridicule she must have went through just to get there. Just to take her alabaster box. And just, I don't know, take it, use it. You'll never need it anyway. And she takes and she anoints the Lord's feet. And she takes and she does this anointing. And she takes and goes through this. So now we see this. Everything was done. She was judged by everyone else. But, I believe the Lord could have told him, said, you know what? Humanities took everything else from her. But the one thing they couldn't take is what she let down. She let down her glory. She took her glory. And she wiped the dirt of the earth off my feet with her glory. And therefore, a woman that everyone else would despise, that's who I'm going to use. That's who I'm going to use to anoint. And I believe literally that that's what I see. That's what's happening is the Lord taking and just, I don't know. And the Bible talks about and what gets me, if I can turn back to it, if um, 
the one thing that's unique to me, before the Lord even turns to her and tells her her sins are forgiven, who does he tell first? The one that's doing all the condemning, Simon. The one that's looking and says, you know, she shouldn't even be in here. She shouldn't even be in here. And the Lord tells Simon, you know what I'm going to do? The Lord didn't say nothing about his sin. But her sin, I'm going to forgive. And then, she's listening while he's talking to Simon. And then he turns to her and says, thy sins are forgiven. And I thought, you know, why did he do that? And I, I don't know. It's just, I don't know, just she could have needed it. Just, I don't know how much healing there was of just, like the old saying, nobody knows us like us, of just knowing that the Lord would just look her in the eye and just tell her for the second time, your sins are forgiven. Your faith, what you have done here today, has saved you. Now go in peace. Because I believe this anointing was divinely orchestrated. And that yoke that had been on humanity for so long, I believe that she was part of it, of taking that yoke off. Hallelujah. God bless you in Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.